Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Mark Thompson. Get woke. God bless you. Get woke. Folks, MIP is now COVID free, meaning free to all subscribers as we navigate this pandemic. We're thinking about everyone and we've got to get through this together. So for a limited time, no fee to subscribe to make it plain on your favorite podcast app. Ladies and gentlemen, of course, the hottest topic these days is schools reopening. Should they, uh, should they not? How should they do it? Uh, we, who better to get into that conversation with than the president of my former union that I used to organize in, as a matter of fact, the American Federation of Teachers. Randy Weingarten joins us once again on Make It Plain. Randy, how are you? I'm, knock on wood, um, uh, healthy, Mark, and how are you? I'm good, same, healthy, thankfully. Good. I know the family's okay, yours is okay as well? Yep, we're all, everyone, you know, every, everyone in my kind of bigger circle that had COVID, Knockwood has uh, recovered from it. So I'm very grateful um, about all of that. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, there's the big question about schools and you've been on my mind uh, as all teachers have and students for that matter. Um, talk to us, if you would, Randy, about what AFT's position is. Are schools ready to reopen? Uh, well, I think we know the answer to that because th the resources have not been forthcoming, have they? So, you know, this is a this is a really big question. Obviously, teachers and parents and kids want public schooling to reopen. 
teachers actually want it to help kids. And, you know, we, we feed so many kids every single day. We know kids are suffering from social isolation. And so, and, and, and frankly, we know that remote education pre pandemic, we would have told you as we had that remote education can never be a substitute for it is a supplement to um, in school learning. And so all of that is really important. But Donald Trump has really blown this one, and he's done it in his terribly chaotic, reckless way and made things in the beginning of July worse than they should have been. And so if you hear the anger in my voice, I think he did it intentionally to try to um, put a lot of the planning, which was already going to be hard, um, into chaos, and he did. So let me take a step back. We, we started doing this work in terms of reopening schools um, from the uh, beginning of April. Because in the middle of a pandemic, you have to really focus on one thing. Is a school going to be safe for children and for educators? And if you can make an indoor setting like that safe, given how important it is for kids to get an education, you obviously want to do it under the right circumstances. And so we started working on this in April and put out the first report about how to reopen schools safely by the end of April, knowing full well we didn't want to reopen in the same chaotic way as schools were closed. And fast forward, you actually need to do three things. It's not that these things are easy, but these three things are absolutely imperative. Number one, you have to contain the virus and have a system of testing, tracing, and isolation so that an outbreak doesn't become a surge. And that containing of the virus means it can't be surging in places like Texas or California or Florida. That doesn't mean you can't reopen in a place like New York safely, but you're going to have to know that if there's this kind of surge that we have, that re the schools might actually open and then close because the nation is really suffering from a resurgence of the virus. So you have to be able to tackle the virus and have very little community spread and that testing. Number two, you have to have a plan so that you stop the virus spread from inside a school. And that requires six things, all of which are based in science. Physical distancing of six feet, masks and other PPE, cleaning and ventilation. Yes, of course, washing hands and not touching your face. And last, making sure there's a reasonable accommodation for those who are at high risk. Some of that is really hard to do. Some of that is easier to do. But the third is that you have to have the resources to make that possible. If you don't, if states have a 20% budget cut, how are they gonna pay for the PPE that's needed for every single child and every single teacher every single day? How are they gonna pay for the ventilation changes that are needed? How are they gonna pay for the cleaning supplies? So when Congress and Mitch McConnell takes time off 
as opposed to negotiating that stimulus at the end of May, not closer to August, it says to the schools that the government, the federal government doesn't care. And then on top of that, when the president just no plan, no resources, just being a COVID denier and says to everyone, I don't care that there's a, a, a crisis. We're reopening schools five days a week as if it was August 2019. He created a chaos that we didn't have beforehand. Yes, there was concern. But let me just give you a proof point. In the weeks before Trump's recklessness and DeVos's recklessness, we had polled our members about lots of things. And 76% of them, three out of four of them said, if we could get the safeguards that we were talking about, the six I talked to you about, masks and physical distancing and cleaning and ventilation and obviously a reasonable accommodation for those at risk in addition to washing hands, they were comfortable, 76% of them were comfortable going to schools because they know that remote education is not nearly as good, doesn't work as well, is only a substitute to, it's not a substitute for um, in-service learning. So it's a long way, Mark, of saying we want to, there's daunting obstacles, and if we can't make it safe, we will leave no stone unturned, leave nothing on the table to make sure that things are safe. Can't be safe in schools, then we have to go onto remote education. Hopefully, there will be places that will still be able to do hybrid, given the plans they're putting into place now and the resources, if we get the resources. But if we don't get the resources and the virus keeps surging, more and more places we're going to be on high, uh, we're going to be on remote education. And what you're describing in terms of resources and the ability to do that, that really boils down to um, county by county and city by city, doesn't it, Randy? I mean, some some of these budget cuts are harsher in some places than others. I mean, it would have been nice too. I would add to that knowing we were in the middle of a pandemic, if there had been a, a more uniform approach all over the country, right? Yes. I mean, look, schooling is basically, you know, a local decision. And basically, you know, schooling is based upon state constitutions, much more than the federal government. The federal government shouldn't be the school board. But at the end of the day, science is science. And there shouldn't have been just the CDC guidelines very quietly released guidelines that, by the way, are very much like, you know, the guidelines we issued in April. They should have been issued months and months ago. But look what Betsy DeVos did. Nothing. Crickets about the guidance for how to reopen schools. No administration, at least since I've been around, you know, in the last 30, 40 years, no administration has acted this haphazardly, this recklessly. The only guidance she put out was how to take money from poor kids in public schools and give it to private schools. Right. And, and, and so, so, yes, there should have been a lot of guidance. There should have been a clearinghouse. There should have been 
you know, the, the Defense Production Act being used for PPE, you know, um, vet testing, ventilation, all sorts of things. There's a huge role for the federal government here, here, both in that guidance and in providing the money, but that's making it much harder. Yeah. Um, and what is it with them? And I mean, that's a good point. They, they, they show a lot of bluster. Your guess is as mine. Yeah, but they show this bluster as if they really can call shots in local jurisdictions anyway. And we know they can. But the attitude, Randy, was we got to get these kids back in school. Kind of like when they say, you know, people need to get back to work as if adults or children are sloughing off trying not to go to work or school. That's not <laughs> the case at all. It's a pandemic. But it's like they have contempt for adults and parents. We've got to make sure you get these kids back in school. But they haven't lifted a finger, as you described, to make that happen. I think there's, um, I, I think there's three things that are going on right now, okay. all of which are despicable. Number one, Trump thinks he wins when he creates chaos and division. That's, that's who he is. And that's why he should not be president. In a national emergency, you need national unity. You don't need people fighting with each other and fighting with each other and creating more fear and creating more division. That's what he's doing in Portland right now. That's what he did here in downplaying the virus and doing all that. That's number one. Number two, they care about one thing. They care about getting reelected. And in their view, the only path to reelection is if in September and October, those economic numbers showed some promise. So I suspect that there was a conversation in the White House that said, oh, if public, you know, they, they look at public schools as if it's childcare. And, and look, we have a custodial function, obviously, but they said, well, if those public schools don't reopen, how are more and more people going to go back to work and how will we be able to have, you know, um, an increase in GDP? And how will we be able to have those numbers going up? So I think it had everything to do with him wanting to figure out a lever to try to get um, a, a good political story or economic story for himself. And number three, Betsy DeVos has never, I mean, neither one of them ever talked about the importance of public schooling, frankly, because of budget cuts, we've had four day school weeks in so many places in America. And I never heard them talk about how important it would be to get back to a five day school week and have the money to do that. They've cut federal funding year after year only to be replaced, um, thank God, because of Nancy Pelosi's House of Representatives and enough people in the Senate and in the House that want public education. I think what she thought was you create so much chaos, so much confusing, confusion, and then she'd blame the public schools and use it as a way to try to say, here, we need vouchers, we need privatization. So every one of these reasons was d despicable. It had nothing to do with the best interest of children, with safety for parents, for teachers, for kids. It had everything to do with politics, and with privatization and with chaos, all of which was despicable. 
How are your members feeling? I'm sure everybody wants to get back in the classroom, but is are people having a level of anxiety? Well, I guess in both cases, one going back and also uh, doing things remotely, because that takes resources. Yeah. Do we have the resources to no. even do this remotely effectively? No. I mean, think about the digital divide. Think about the fact that, you know, when kids, when the only thing kids have is a smartphone, and this happens to be, you know, a, a, you know, a pretty sophisticated smartphone. But you think if you're watching this all day long, that's going to be a decent education? We need to make sure, even if we're hybrid or remote, that we have to get kids access to the connectivity and to decent equipment. We need to actually have a lot more that was done this summer about, you know, curriculum remotely. What do you do remotely? What do you do in hybrid? It's time to stop trying to make it up as we go along every single day. Even figuring out the safety protocols are hard enough, but we have a lot of learning protocols and well-being things that we have to do. So there is anxiety all over. I would say anxiety is the watchword right now. Teachers know that in school, in-person learning is very important, but they also know their buildings. So many of our schools are 50, 60, 100 years old. The windows don't open. Built schools that were built um, for, you know, windowless or circular without good ventilation systems, how do you open them in a moment where ventilation is absolutely imperative because of the airborne nature of this. Schools are for social interaction. They're not, you know, normally for social distancing. So there's a lot of anxiety about will we be safe? Will our kids be safe? Will our educators be safe? And frankly, this notion that, well, you know, kids, and thank God, really young kids haven't gotten really sick. That is a blessing. Yeah. But this notion that, you know, because kids have not gotten very sick, that means that teachers can be, and schools can be a petri dish. It's, 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 it's unconscionable. So that's why I'm saying people are very anxious. They're anxious because they don't have a plan. They're anxious because the resources aren't there. They're anxious because there's been a spike. Having said that, there are lots of places around the country where people are really trying to figure out a hybrid model and figure out how it could work. And that's because, you know, teachers, our union leaders, superintendents, people understand the importance of schooling and in-school schooling for children. And folks, once again, the importance of classroom teachers, because at the end of the day, it's really, Randy, going to be up to a lot of individual classroom teachers to come up with a plan to treat and teach all of their students, knowing all the different variables you described. They're gonna have some students that have access to connectivity, some students and don't, and some who don't, some who have access to devices and some who don't. So this is gonna be a time like no other. Yeah. Teachers have to be creative, isn't it? Look, teachers have been, I'm blessed because we represent public employees, nurses, healthcare professionals, educators, um, pre-K through higher ed. Every single one of my members 
makes a difference in the lives of somebody else. And they make it up. They, they, they're ingenious. They're creative. They try new things all the time. This is a systemic pandemic. It shouldn't be on their shoulders and their ingenuity to try to figure out what every other level of government has not. And yes, they're ingenious. And yes, they care. And yes, they changed everything on a nanosecond. But, you know, enough is enough. We have to be in this together. And it takes real leadership. And we need a new president. But in the next few months, we need the resources. We need a plan that's based upon science that is safe. And we need to make sure that there's no pandemic surge in a particular jurisdiction for you to even consider the reopening of schools in person. Having said that, there are places that it will happen. And there are places like in Houston and in LA um, and, you know, and, and, um, and it, frankly in Florida that it should not happen. But whereas in LA and in Houston, we were able to work with superintendents and governors gave a nod to start remotely. Then you have in Florida, Mr. Denier, um, who scoffed at New York when New York had the highest um, rate of incidence. Um, and he's just been completely in denial and jeopardizing the lives of people in Florida, including teachers and kids. And that's why, frankly, in Florida, we've done some surveying of our members, almost 40% of them are saying, if they're gonna be forced to be in an unsafe situation, um, they're going to quit, which will then be a huge brain drain to the kids who need it most right now. So the recklessness that you're seeing mostly of, of acolytes of Trump, as well as Trump himself, um, is reprehensible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're on the eve of the American Federation of Teachers Convention, speaking of a new president. Joe Biden is going to join you at your virtual convention, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, look, I'm a little kind of petrified of this. This is the first time we've ever had a virtual convention. It's the second time in our over 100 years that we didn't meet in person. The only other time we didn't was during World War II. You know, we're in the midst of three crises, a, a health pandemic, an economic recession, and a, 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 a much overdue reckoning with structural racism all of which were made worse by Donald Trump. Um, but what we've tried to do is we've tried to figure out how to have program that's you know, relevant and important um, to our, our membership and, and the broader communities. And we've tried to also make sure that there is time for what our membership really loves to do, which is to really consider resolutions and debate and have that debate. So I'm hoping it all works. The committees, you know, we had this week um, to bring resolutions to the floor. We had some technical glitches, but by and large, they work. So I'm kind of like, you know, kind of like, you know, wishing and hoping and doing all the checking we can do to make sure that it works. But the program should be, I hope, um, really meaningful from the first day um, honoring our secretary treasurer who is retiring, Loretta Johnson, with the Bayard Rustin Award, to having Dr. Tony Fauci at a Facebook Live event for all of our members that night, to um, Joe Biden and, and Lynn Manuel Miranda um, on the last day, 
And in between having Diane Ravage talk about education and having a Black Lives Matter panel and having, you know, Speaker Pelosi and uh, Leader Schumer and Governor Grisham and several others who will, you know, really, um, you know, be part of the story or the, you know, the conversation about the context we are in right now and what we do about it. And so in closing, Randy, what happens next? I, I guess you just kind of have to still monitor, don't you, jurisdiction by jurisdiction. And we are, we are more than we are more than monitoring. We are all in meaning we've been working on reopening panels that a lot of the governors have had. Some obviously we haven't, some we have in places like Florida, we brought a suit to um, let local jurisdictions make decisions, not um, a governor that's in denial, and to block um, decisions that are contrary to science. In other places, we're at the bargaining table trying to work it out or you know, working with um, parents and others. And frankly, in some places, you know, I, I suspect that you know, you'll, we're not going to rule anything out. I suspect that you're going to see some safety strikes in some places if, if we can't get done what we need to get done to ensure the safety of um, our students, our communities, and our members. Yeah, safety strikes, huh? Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Randy Weingarten, folks of the American Federation of Teachers, teachers holding up the really the bedrock of our democracy and it is evidenced by all of the very important people that are going to be participating in their convention this week randy keep up the good work you're doing the lord's work of course and um, hope everybody stays safe and, and keep us posted about all the developments if you would too please okay thank you mark all right thank you god you are our refuge Send our ancestors to guard our doors. Cast out this virus from our communities and our bodies. Heal, bless, and protect everyone listening and their loved ones. Thank you for listening to Make It Plain and Get Woke. Remember to listen, like, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. If all minds are clear, it has been Made Plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.